0: Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schinkelberg.
1: This is Chris Jackson.
0: Hey, Chris, I got a, a note the other day, uh, and actually had a short phone call. Uh, the uh, friend of mine, basically, that uh, um, a couple of years ago, kind of at the start of the, what now is being called the great resignation, um, took another job at another company. Uh, I think it was in part a shorter commute and it looked like a great opportunity. So they they jumped. And now a year or so later, they're like, hmm, this isn't what I thought it would be. You know, and they're they feel stuck, you know. It's we're kind of the discussion we've all drawn: are we heading into a recession or not? There's news is full of layoffs, you know, even though the job market's really hot and people are getting hired right away. That could change pretty quickly, so huh. they, they were feeling a bit stuck. And so it was a bit of a discussion about well, what are you trying to do or not? And and I related a story of of you know, when I was in the army, um, the. One of the battery commanders in the battalion I was in, just every lieutenant just steered away from this guy. Just nobody wanted to be anywhere near him. (laughs) He was, he was, he was, um, and so it was for all kinds of reasons, but he, he basically pulled no punches and told you what he thought. And most of the time it was criticisms and stuff like that. So It was just not a pleasant experience for junior officers to be around this guy. And I got assigned to him. I was just going to be his XO, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I went home, had a shot of whiskey, and kind of put my head in my hands. And now, what am I going to do? And within about two months, it turned out to be the best position I ever had. It was so much fun, and we got along great. And and the story goes, and there's much more to the story, which best done over a beer. Um, It involved changing my expectations and and and. Looking at what can I do in this position, uh, instead of just keeping my head down and doing what I'm told, is what can I do to make this job really work and work right. for me and that I'm happy with doing and you know, kind of thing. And I focused on my soldiers, and we had, and he appreciated that, and that made it work. And I really enjoyed helping my soldiers, you know, move on with their life and their careers and doing all the stuff they do and being successful at what they did because I often felt if they were successful, that would make us successful, and it and that worked. Um, but it was a different conversation, and outside the military, we're not so involved with each other's lives and all the other good stuff. And so it was more a discussion about, well, what are you trying to do, or what what's the dissatisfaction part of this thing? And I won't get into details of it, but it, I don't know, Chris, you I think you've run into this experience once or
1: twice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think about this a lot. And I, when you first mentioned this, I know an article triggered it. The article I thought you were talking about, but you weren't, was another one. I want to say Harvard Business Review. It's a magazine with a picture of a puppet on the front. And I think the topic is uh, – I read it a little bit. I just skimmed it because I wasn't able to – I didn't have the time to go deeply into it. But um, – It was essentially about how managers don't know what employees of today want. I recall.
0: Yeah, we talked about this at one time. Yeah.
1: Right. I recall on a previous podcast when I was teaching a course, one of the people who worked for the company I was teaching, I said at the previous company when it was the sort of end of year CEO roundtable, kumbaya, whatever you want to call that, within a matter of minutes, the old white guys in charge of said organisation, um, openly, one complained about how younger generation believe they are entitled to leadership positions from a very early start or young age, and two, complaining about why so many young people are leaving their organisation to create startups and do their own wonderful things, and how do we keep those people in our organisation? You just both asked and answered the question in the same conversation, <laughs> um, but. I I have a theory that you know, if you're involved in a services industry, if you are essentially um, doing the same thing over and over over again, if you're not if you're not involved in building something, then it's a really good workplace revolves around a caring, wonderfully supportive, uh, empathetic boss who's prepared to discipline you if you're out of line, but prepared to reward you if you do good work. But then there are other organisations, and I'm going to use. Apple as an example, because Steve Jobs, who is synonymous with Apple's success, was a jerk. There is no two ways about that. Um, he, uh, he ascribed to none of the leadership principles that the retired generals write about in books. Um, but what Steve Jobs had, and many other visionaries have in those industries where you actually build something, is a vicious focus on an idea that people buy into. And everything else is secondary. Bureaucracy, secondary. Speaking to your boss, having everything go through your boss and not to a the subject matter expert, secondary. And there's some organizations, well, many organizations like that that do really well where the boss appears to be a jerk, but it's the idea that, or the passion or, or whatever you want to call it, they have that not many other people have. That means that people want to come up to work every single day. And the reason why is because they, those people want to build something which is amazing. And if that boss is able to offer an amazing idea they can be part of, that is rewarding to people who build stuff. Uh,
0: it, it doesn't require the, the boss is a jerk. It just, it's that only, that's the message, but it's a no, clear picture no, of what you're trying jerk. to do. You know? and I, but I've worked with just brilliant people that were, you know, just made you want to put in the extra effort and do the great job because they knew they got you, they had your back, you know? And, yep. uh, and, but it was the idea is that when that's in disconnect and you, in the discussion and it also ended up being another article I saw today, which prompted me to remember that discussion as an idea for this, 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 uh, episode was the, well, I don't really think I can leave. I don't want to, you know, be in a job for less than a year and then quit. And that's, I says, I, I need to try. It was kind of the discussion. What can I do? And well, let's just use that, you know, let's say it's the the angry old white guy, boss that wants the bureaucracy to be a certain way or whatever. Because I've had that experience and I, I suspect you have too. Is well. What can you do? What What are the actual tangible options you have as a you know mid level reliability engineer with some working on a handful of different programs, and what is it that you can actually do to get job satisfaction and not be so in the feeling of being stuck?
1: I think that's, I think the first thing you need to do is define job satisfaction because what works for you might not work for me or work for somebody else. For example. I have a very low tolerance for bureaucracy that I perceive to be worthless. I know that about myself. Yep. I know that no one likes it. But for me, it just, it's like, you know, it's like I'm allergic to it. I break out in hives. And, hive, and I, know <laughs> that, I know that about me. I really do. Um, uh, I, I think bureaucracy, when done well, is fantastic. But um, I was talking about this again at the Rams conference most recently, people talking about how we have such a, 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 a robust reliability process and we're not still, still not getting, not getting the results. I say to them, look, if your process, if your bureaucracy is complex, then the bureaucracy becomes a product. You feel satisfied once you've ticked all the boxes, once all the reports are in, once all the tests have been run, once all the qualification serials have been completed. That's what success feels like. Whether it works or not in the hands of a customer is almost secondary once you have a, a really complex process um, that is just clearly, you know, one idea after another that was put in by a committee who don't potentially don't even live anymore. I think, well, you know what I'm talking well, yeah, about? Yeah, I know
0: what you're talking about but there's also the idea that the, the process itself of, you know, running this suite of tests or doing this. So uh, the other thing is, is not the point <laughs> it's reliability is not running a test. That's not, The point it's, what is, and I think you've say it the best, Chris, is what's the decision? What are you trying to accomplish? What do these people need to know that is an output of what you're doing? It's not that we've finished 75 different tests. It's we provided the essential piece of information that made this product's design actually very good and work for the customers kind of thing. Or if it's in a factory setting, it's the the concept or idea the focus on the right part of the, of the system so that we improved availability or reduced downtime or improved throughput or whatever. It's what are we trying to accomplish and focusing on that rather than the process itself of saying, all right, we we're always, we always never have enough samples, so we're going to complain that we never have enough samples. Well, right. no, you always have enough samples. It's what you do with them. Um, yeah. I mean, but got sorry, you yeah. yeah, no, but it's it's that kind of thing is that it's, and I learned it early on is if you, you know, stand up and walk around to the side of your desk and or office and look at it from another point of view, I mean, physically move to a different position and rethink this problem. What is it that, you know, so if you're in a bureaucracy thing and your boss wants everything to go through and they take credit for what goes well and you get chastised for anything that goes wrong, but you get no credit. Um, well, what are your options create a, a shadow set of influence that uh, find a mentor that you know is in a different group or department but is a higher level that gets it and is willing to support you look for other opportunities different bosses may have different opportunities available that fit you um, and i'm just brainstorming but the idea is is that well you can wallow in your you know feeling stuck or you can start steps in action that actually change it and and make a difference and you know tout your own horn. And if you do a really good job and that program made a you know launched on time and had a very successful uh, first year and all this other good stuff, make sure people know about it. Make sure that it's visible that there is a this effort that actually made a difference. And um, but it's just to sit and be and complain about it is not healthy for anybody or the organization or your customers, but it's the, the idea is that recognize that if you're stuck, you're stuck. Right. Well, what can you do to get out of it? You know,
1: I think I I agree. A lot of the stuff you were saying sort of agrees with what I feel and, and, um, and how I, what I want out of a job as well. But I still think you're talking to your own personal motivations, which I mean, and I'm not a challenge, but you go back, I think you have to go back to what it is that you, what does job satisfaction look well, like? For well, you, so.
0: Yeah. And for some people it's, they want a, a you know, decent pay raise. They just want the money. Some want the parking spot, the recognition for what they're doing, right? Some people want to be the employee of the year or the month or whatever that system is about. Uh, others want their ideas to be heard. Others want the satisfaction that they personally did a good job. And it, like you said, it varies all over the map, but being clear what it is and isn't helps you lay, it's like a root cause analysis. We, you know, we all, we've got articles on that and podcasts on that. Um, but break it down, what is it that is the friction point that's causing the problem in, in your, your setting and what can you do about it? And right. you know, if you really, really are stuck, that means you're in a dungeon chained to the wall. Well, I don't think many of our work environments uh, prosper when they do that to employees. So you you have the option to to do something about it. And I found that in those occasions when I've run into these, I had one boss that just could not make a decision. And it was like, you know, come on, I want to go to Rams. You say it's a good thing I should go do. We're two weeks out for it. I need to book the flights. Otherwise, it'll get way more expensive. I need the approval. Oh, let me think about it. So I, my, I went to his boss and, and, and said, all right, I'm not getting a decision. And she said, oh, here, sign it, go. Have a good time. All right. <laughs> and he never said a word about it one way or the other, but he still refused to make a decision. And so shortly after that, I petitioned my director to work independently. Now, here's a project I want to do. I want to start it up myself. And I had, she said, well, you got to have this other guy with you (laughs) as a balance. He needs to do something like this too. So the two of us started the reliability program and revamping it while we were there and grew to be about a third to half of the, of the group's uh, workload came from our, our little effort, but we created our own job. And eventually she said, you need a manager. So she made us go hire a boss. And so, (laughs) Uh you know, but she gave us, she recognized that we needed some autonomy and she had faith that we would do a good job and make a difference. And we certainly did. And we had a blast doing it. Um, but it was, we saw the opportunity and took it. And yeah, it's risky. Yeah, it could have just fallen apart. But um, I was for me, the the enjoyment was just basically start my own business kind of thing, even though I was in a corporate setting. Um, but that was thrilling. I was there and all in to make it work. Um, right. Whereas, you know, six months earlier, I'm working for this guy that just can't make a decision. I'm like, yeah, this is frustrating. And so, always have those feelers out looking for well, what can I do that would make a difference be beneficial to, to the folks I work with and the company and to the customers we we serve and that I would want to do. And so I went and created that
1: job basically. But, but I think the bit that you're sort of not glossing over, but you're whatever, however you want to describe it, you wanted to own, build something, whatever you want to call that. Right. And that's what your version of job satisfaction looked like. And you yep. went and made that happen. Yep. Um, I'm guessing that you probably wouldn't have hung around if that wasn't, going to be afforded to you? Is that, well,
0: you that, know, that, would that be effective? Oh, no, I, I just saw all those resistance points as just a challenge. I, mean, I remember one project that I ran into um, involved a, and they sat on the same floor as us. The, the, our group was on one side of the aisleway and they were on the other side. They tended to focus on, on software projects and we tended to focus on hardware projects. And we weren't really allowed to talk to each other and they didn't have, they had different funding models between the two groups. So it was discouraged to actually do anything with them. Um, any, like a, write a paper or address a project or do anything else. Unlike the products themselves that we created uh, were hardware, electronics, and they always had software. One form or another on it. They had to work together. And so I thought this was this was crazy. And it just so happened that one of the guys that was in the software team and I both were noontime runners. A couple times a week we would meet and go for a run or, you know, and, and chat about this, that or the other thing. And that's where I mentioned that project to him. So we, did, we decided that instead of going up the channels and trying to get it to work, which we had tried and others had tried in the past and just got shot down because of the complexities of the bureaucracies between the two groups, Um. We said, well, we're just going to go do it. And we had a very successful project together, and the client was ecstatic. And now our two directors had to acknowledge they had to figure out how to work together. We just forced the issue. And, right. But I had enough freedom to do that.
1: That's my point, though, is if you were never able to get that level of you know, autonomy, whatever you want to call it, owning your own destiny, building something, forcing change. Uh, And there are, let's be clear, there are organisations that in spite of best effort, you're never going to change anything. That's true. They they exist. Um, Then you have to make that call. But I think it goes back to, again, what does job satisfaction look like? I know people who are, let's just say, senior reliability engineers. They've spent a lot of time, some of them have been consultants, but now you see them... um, they're sort of uh, in the big corporate machine of certain organizations and you go, what are you doing here? You, know what you're ta- you do know what you're talking about. You know you're not making change. And they say, well, I'm just getting old. I don't want to travel. I just want the health, health package or the health benefits. You go, oh, okay. Now, if that person is genuinely honest about that and has you know, good genuinely that, believes yeah. that – then they are satisfied in that job. That's, it might, it would not satisfy the requirements that you put to yourself in the way you described the previous uh, previous scenario, but uh, that's where I think that everyone just needs to sit down and work out what do you need to feel satisfied at your job? And you work hard, you, you, you rise to challenges, you have a, if you have a boss who doesn't make, can't make a decision, try and work around that lunatic. But eventually, you will either succeed or go, you know what, it's been real team, but I'm gonna go somewhere else. Yep. And the other thing too, is that I think in this generation, I, what I'm not saying anything that you, you did was not anything less than admirable. It was fantastic, that story you told. But the tolerance that younger people are having for the amount of effort they need to put into to um, invoke change is rapidly decreasing, as in, if the, even if they believe they can enact change, but it's going to take too much of their effort, they're more likely just to go to an organisation which they believe will also be happy to enact that change but requires less effort on their behalf. And so I think that's a key difference. Um, if it's too hard to make changes, more and more young people are simply going to another organisation, no questions asked, searching for an organisation which is less resistant to change. And that's why you have those old white guys we talked about earlier, on the one hand complain about young people demanding more leadership in their terms but then also wondering why people are leaving and people don't necessarily want leadership they just want to make decisions that matter that's not leadership and if your organization essentially all the decision making is is sort of ring fence within whatever you call the leadership group then sure young people say well i want to be part of leadership they're the only people who get to make decisions but if you divest decision making to the lowest levels then from one perspective, everyone's a leader and you get that job satisfaction. There are organisations who employ young people. This constant whining about millennials and everything else, it's not as if millennials uh, make up more of the unemployment figures. They're finding jobs. It's just they're not finding jobs in your organisation. That's that's very different. Um, so I don't know. It's, uh, I, I do think that you really need to work out what it is that um, – uh, that jobs, what it is that job satisfaction looks like. Another example is a friend of mine who, who was a single parent, and I knew he could have done a lot more, but he said, you know what, this job here, it's nine to four every single day. There's no working back late, there's, there's no um, weekend work, and that's exactly what I need because I have a young child with childcare and schooling and everything else. So that yep. person has their own definition of job satisfaction. Yep. So um, you just need to get on top of what it means for you. Yeah, no, that,
0: that's a good part of the discussion we had, I and mean, it's also the the idea. And, and my last note on it is that feeling stuck is, you know, to be blunt, is a personal problem. I mean, there's if you enjoy complaining that you're stuck, well, that's not something. And if you want advice or help, well, the first one is stop self-wallowing kind of thing. Yep. You know, start thinking about well what can you actually do to change it and there's an infinite number of options available. And and as you, you just said Chris it starts with well what is it that you're looking for? What are you trying to do? Um in some would say that's Pollyanna. It's, it's you know, I'm looking at the glass half full kind of thing. Well, anything's possible. You just got to start. It's it's really hard to get across the street if you don't start walking that way. <laughs> You know kind of yeah. thing. That. so that's, there's that part of it but uh reliability engineering in my opinion is a great position to have in any organization because you can work on so many variations of and add value in so many different ways and take on projects and solve problems and you know rescue the product line and do this work with suppliers it's the range is a phenomenal of what we can stick our fingers into um Going about it deliberately can make a huge difference, not only in right. your job satisfaction but also in your in what your impact within an organization. Which is probably a subject, a whole nother cup series of podcasts about how do you make a difference um, that you that you want to go do. So we'll. But anyway, I was happy to chat for a little bit with a friend of mine and and get him, you know, hopefully. Check back with them in another month or so and see how it's going if they're making some difference and and/or see if they have a new uh, email address. Uh, we'll see but the the idea is, is that uh, you know reliability is like any other job if you're facing a bureaucracy or some situation where you feel stuck. well, we've got options so let, let's right. let's chat about it. You're not alone, um, so'd be happy to do that. If you're listening to this and you've got some ideas of how to help people move on or get improve their situation or whatever, or you're stuck, you know, what's the circumstances? I'm sure we didn't cover all of the various ways that could happen. Um, Let us know. Head over to AscendoReliability.com slash go slash S-O-R. And you can find a couple of ways to get in touch with us there. Chris and I, like the other hosts of the show, are available through LinkedIn or through our about pages on Ascendo. Plenty of ways for you to get in touch. Um, As long as I have power and internet, which seems to be improving with the day. So um, we're in good shape.
1: Just don't compromise. Work out what you want and uh, fight for it. Just try and make it work. And the other thing is, hope is not a strategy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. That should be a bumper sticker. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Fred. Always a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes, or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.